Lord, I pray that you would touch hearts. And I pray that we would see you working. That we would feel you working. And yet, Lord, even if we're not, we know you are. And we declare that truth today. God, make a way in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, so that what we hear from you as, as I try and lift it up would be spoken to us. Because we know that's how your spirit works in us. So I pray all this in the name of Jesus. And all God's kids said, Amen. Amen. All right, if you're new to the Bible and you're, you're like, dude, that text that Ashley read so well is weird, you're right. And uh, if you're not new to the Bible, it's still weird. It's weird, right? Um, yet it's the most, I would argue, the most climactic event for the people of the church, the people of the church in history. That right there is the beginning of the church. Now you see Jesus rose and that began. No, this is when the people gather and this is it. So I think this message is for five types of people. Hopefully you're one of those five. If not, just scroll on your phone. That's fine. That doesn't bother me. I think one, for those of you who are going into some sort of new territory, if you're in your life and you're going into some new territory, that's for you. Or this is for you. If you're really trying to hear the right instructions from God, there's just something you're like, Lord, I, I need to know what it is you want. It's for you. For those of you wanting more of what other people have in their faith, you're like looking at this person, you're looking at Audrey and going, oh, I want what she has. It's for you. For those of you wanting to be in God's presence, this is for you. And those who you feel you just don't belong anywhere. You just want something that you can take to survive today. This is for you. Go into a new territory, hearing instructions from God, wanting more of what others have in their faith, wanting to be in God's presence, and feeling like you don't belong and just want to survive the day. This is for you. Anybody in there? All right, good. You don't have to scroll on your phone then. Sweet. Unless it's the Bible, you can do that. So I'm going to go through this text here. I don't have any slides, but if you guys want to put the text up there, you can, just so you make sure that I'm not lying. <laughs> All right. Verse 1. When the Pentecost came. Penta. Penta. What, what does that mean? Five. Huh? When the Pentecost, like, y'all heard of Pentecostal churches, right? Were there five of them? Why is it five? It's bizarre, isn't it? Did you ever think about that? Pentecost is actually a harvest festival that came 50 days after Passover. So three festivals in the Jewish calendar where you have to go to Jerusalem. This is the second. First one is the, uh, the what is it called? The Feast of Unleavened Bread, which has culminated with the Passover. This one is actually also read in your Bible as the Feast of Weeks. Okay, seven's a big number in the Bible, okay? So seven weeks after this Feast of Unleavened Bread, plus one day, because you don't want to work on the Sabbath, is Feast of Weeks, or Feast of Pentecost. It's also, it's also got some other names as well. It says in chapter 23 of Leviticus, from, from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, I don't get it either, count off seven full weeks. Count off 50 days up to the day after the seventh Sabbath. 
and then present an offering of new grain to the Lord. Why then? Well, this was the length of time from when the Israelites got out of Egypt to the day Moses goes up and he gets the Ten Commandments. So there's much significance there. It's 50 days in between there. If you look in your Old, Old Testament, it says the first day of this particular month of Israel, you're to go, and then it's a certain time period. It's 50 days. Super significant. Super significant, right? We know three days is that three days after Jesus died, he rose from the dead. Numbers are a big deal. If I were to say fourth, what would you think of? What if I were to say holiday is the fourth, what would you think of? Fourth of July, right? Or, or you might say it's Independence Day. Or you might call it the, the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Or you might say that's that day where we blow up things. That's kind of where I land sometimes. But, but Declaration of Independence wasn't a day where we were blowing up things back in 1776, was it? No, it was remembering the war. It was remembering the fighting and all that went on to get us our independence. So just like this, this holiday has a couple different names too. It's got Feast of Weeks, Feast of Harvest, Feast of First Fruits, and Pentecost. This was a big holiday for, for Jews. Huge. God was about parties. He really liked parties. Maybe that's the sixth person in here. If you really just want to party. The decorating was outlined. The food was given. We know you do similar things like hot dogs and, and burgers at certain holidays. We do Christmas trees. We do turkey. We have these similar things that come. And usually the significance, like the war and the fireworks, goes way beyond the day. That's kind of how this is. You've got all these elements of food. It's a grain offering, which means this was the last day of the harvest of grain. And it says when you go do that, then the next season is the heart. Well, they plant fruit, right? And so the third festival is actually Feast of Booths, they call it, or Feast of Tabernacles. And what they do is they get all their fruits and then they celebrate that God has provided for them and they do so by camping out in tents on the way to Jerusalem. I know some folks who still do that today. That during the Feast of Sukkot, which means tent in, in Hebrew, they go and they camp out with their kids. And I wonder, if you've got a bed, why would you do that? But it's a great reminder of the fact that they were nomads in this land, and, and they were just kind of like having to camp out all the time. I mean, talk about set up and tear down of a church. Yeah, tabernacle had some heavy stuff in it. And that's what they want to remember. We have a lot of things where we want to remember as well in our lives. There are dates that trigger you, right? Dates of someone who died. Dates of when time someone was born. Dates of tragedies. It, dates of excitement. Weddings. We, we have these dates that remind us of stuff. And God was all about it. That's why he liked to party. He wanted to remind us so that we don't forget and we move forward. Part of this particular feast was remembering that God provided for them. They got out of Egypt, and then this guy went to the mountain. And what happens on the mountain? He, uh, he, has, he encounters the presence of God. And then God speaks to him exactly what it is there to do. 613 commands. You know, some of you guys are like, dude, that's harsh. And other people are like, I just wish somebody told me what to do, because that would be a relief. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. 
So the Feast of Weeks was actually this reminder of this covenant, this connection that God made with his people. And we do ceremonies too, right? Like we read the story of Jesus' birth at Christmas time. We read scripture and stand up every week at City Church because we believe the word of God is to be lifted up. And so we recall things constantly. Certain seasons we recall like the resurrection and, 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 and the burial. But one of the most interesting pieces of this feast it says in Leviticus 23, 22, it's at the end of the instruction to do this feast. It says, when you reap the harvest of the land, track with me on this, don't reap to the very edges of your field. So when you reap the harvest, don't, don't go all the way to the edges. There's going to be some stuff at the fringes, just let it go. Leave them for the poor and for the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Okay, this is one of the most fascinating parts of this holiday. Guess what they read out of scripture on this day every time they celebrate it? The book of Ruth. They read the book of Ruth. Why? She was a foreigner, right? So she's this girl. Mom has two sons. Her husband dies. Her sons die. These two daughters-in-law are with her. And they say, she's like, you don't have to go with me. And, and Ruth says, like, Orpah's like, yeah, I'm out of here. And then Ruth's like, hey, no, I, I want to go with you. I will. She was, anybody have a stubborn daughter-in-law? Nobody raising their hand on that one. <laughs> she's sitting next to me. But that's, that's the thing what Ruth was. She was a stubborn daughter-in-law who was willing to go the extra mile for her mother-in-law. And what she did next was amazing. She says to her mother-in-law, let me go to the fields. I want to pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi says, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered the field, and she began to pick up the grain from what was left over for those, from those harvesting probably at this holiday. While the Feast of Weeks was about what God did for Israel, others on the fringes who weren't chosen still benefited from what God did. How cool is that? So, Wes, you're only six words into this text, and it's 13 verses. How long is this going to be? Listen, you don't want a surgeon going into your surgery without prepping the room. Am I right? I'm prepping the room, y'all. We're about to dissect and play surgeon with the text. But you have to understand the layout because this is going to come in to all those five things. So this land was about going into a new land or territory. This holy day was about receiving instructions from God. This day was about Moses being on the mountain and people watching him. It's about Moses being in God's presence. And it's about how others, not just the Israelites, would receive the remnants of that grain like Ruth. Okay, so let's go back to the text. Here we go. <laughs> wow, we got a long way to go. It's another slide too. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All in Greek means all. Everybody. Now, who, how many people is that? Probably about 120. If you look previously in the Acts 1, it says 120. You know what, folks? Things happen when we get together. Number one, body heat is created, and it gets really hot in a room. Amen. Yeah, you're feeling that. Yeah, even when I don't feel it, you're working. And when I do, things happen when we get together. From the beginning of the upper room with Jesus the night before he died, these guys got together. 
after Jesus rises from the dead, they're together in an upper room. They're together again in an upper room here with 120 of them in it. Was it the same room? I don't know. It was in Jerusalem. They had already gone to up north to Galilee, kind of like going to Reading, right? And then they, they, they came back down because that's what the, this was, right? This is the holiday, one of the three where you had to go down. And then the rest of the New Testament talks about community. Together, together, together. You know what? I tried to watch City Church last week online on Facebook. I confess, I was lazy. I was like, ah, I'm not going to go. But I'm going to watch. I'm going to be part of the body. For some reason, my ineptitude of social media could not find it. And I missed out. When you're not together, there should be some sort of FOMO. Am I right? FOMO for the cool kids is... They told me, the cool kids tell me it's fear of missing out. When you're not in community, you got FOMO. And we should want to be together because God does things when people are together. When there's a, when there's a wall, when, when, when there's a divide, I'm sorry, folks online, love you. If you're sick, thank you for staying home. If you could be here be here next week because the reality is we miss out when we're not together. If you're not there, you're missing it. That's the reality of it. And these people were together. Things happen. Uh, I, I would dare say things happen when people can be in the same room where they can touch each other physically. I think specifically there's something to that. Um, if you live a far away from family, you get that. There's just, there's nothing like being in the presence. My mom came to visit from Florida last week. There was something about that that was like, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it's just different. So next, we have a sound like the blowing of a violent wind comes from heaven and fills the whole house where they're sitting. I think it's a good thing they were sitting. Because if that wind's coming in, it might blow them over. Ask some people in Southern California and San Diego with a hurricane hitting right about now or in the next hour or so. The interesting thing is it fills the whole house. Imagine a storm going on and you're in the house. You got a fire going, reading a good book, got some hot chocolate. It's kind of cool, isn't it? I like, I like being in a house with a storm. Now imagine the storm being inside and everything's calm outside. That's what was going on. That's crazy. It's crazy. Remember I said it's weird? It's weird. They were sitting. This noise, this wind comes in, and the whole house is filled. You know, in Exodus 19, when Moses went up to, the, to, the, to Mount Sinai to get the word from God, it says, God says to him, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud. So people will hear me speaking with you and always put their trust in you. And there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast and everyone in the camp trembled. They were all in the camp. They're looking up. They see this cloud up there and they're going, oh my goodness, this is scary. And Moses is up there. They got to be thinking, he's probably, he's a goner. Next, it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. (laughs) That's probably the weirdest part. Now, the, the word is like an actual tongue. Tongue can be seen as two ways. One, languages, right? I speak in a foreign tongue. We use that. It's a foreign language or dialect. And then it's like an actual tongue. So the word for tongue I looked up in Hebrew. It's really funny. It's only mentioned three times. 
Once, when a dog is lapping his or her tongue. Second, when an ox is using its tongue. And third, when God goes to Mount Carmel with Elijah and they pour a bunch of water on top of this sacrifice and all these people are like, you can't get your God to light that on fire and it's all wet. And it says that God came down and he licked it. He licked it, the fire came because he had licked up the water around it and boom, there it is. Pretty cool. Like the fire, tongues, like I can't help but think, oh wait, mountains, Moses, you see the connection? Like these people were like, Wow, just really kind of cool. See how I get excited about the content? You tracking with me? Um, and I, I really think that that, that uh, when in Exodus, when the people see Moses, it says in, in Exodus 24, the Israelite, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. So the wind is a symbol. God, well, not just a symbol, but it's actually God's spirit coming and pouring out on them. And the flames, it says, are, are like licking each head, which is kind of weird. Okay, that's really weird. Now, this is an image they see. Is this reality? I think it could be. God can do anything. Is this what they're, you know, they got all this wind going and then the fire's going? I mean, like, kind of crazy. And then it says all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. Whereas tongue is like a, a noun in the sense that it's a... Uh, an actual body part, it can also be dialect. And here it's talking about the dialect. They speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Another significance of Pentecost was this outpouring of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit resided in the cloud. But now, God's Spirit is residing in the people. What? That's... The spirit of the living God who created the universe lives in me, lives in you. If you choose to repent, be baptized, follow him, I, I can't get my mind around it. And if you can, maybe you can help me later because it just seems unbelievable. Now, there were staying, so now we've got an outside perspective. We're looking at those who are staying in Jerusalem, these God-fearing Jews from every nation. So in part, this is because all the Jews are coming to the feast, right? It's, it's Pentecost. You had to be there. Some were probably already living there from other countries, but others might have been actually coming. Now, think about this. The Old Testament, one of the key things that happens in history is the Tower of Babel, where everybody finally spoke a common language, Right? Like Google Translate was working at its optimum. And then this Tower of Babel falls and there's different languages and we can't understand each other. And here's the exact opposite. We've got division, all these people from all these countries and areas, which we're going to read in a second, and yet they're all able to understand what's going on. It's the reverse. God's, God's, God's coming around and he's switching it back up. I'm going to skip a story here, but I got a great story for another time, man, about speaking in unknown languages, a guy I encountered. I just tempted you, didn't I? You kind of want to hear it. We'll see. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each heard their own language speaking. 
So this crowd outside is hearing this crazy noise, and then they start listening. They're like, wait, that's, what I, that's my language. That's weird. Other guys go, no, 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 that's my language. Utterly amazed. They said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? These guys are from up north. They'd be like saying, wow, I thought they were all from Alabama, and I can actually understand them. This is crazy. There's people from the south, and I can understand them. Actually, they're not even speaking English. They're speaking a different language, like Ukrainian, or they're speaking Albanian, or they're speaking Australian. I, I don't know. All kinds of different languages. Or they're speaking British. <laughs> Utterly amazed. That's what it says. And perplexed. Perplexed. I'm not going to read those names of the areas. Uh, you did a great job, Ashley. But here's the thing. These were all foreign communities. They weren't part of the club, and yet God was speaking to them from the people in this house. There was provision to all of them of God's spirit. There was acceptance into newness. There was faithfulness of God. It says visitors from Rome, both Jews and those who converted to Judaism. The coming of the Spirit began the mission of Christianity, which Jesus said at the end is go and make disciples of all nations. They only knew Jerusalem, they, or not Jerusalem, Israel. They only worked within this, this area. It'd be like saying, hey, we want to win Sacramento to faith in Jesus. And that's what we do. We work hard to do that. And City Church does a great job doing that. And then it's like God says, no, 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 no. I want you to go to Puerto Rico. And I want you to go to Haiti. And, and, and I want you to go to Alaska. And you're like, what? It broadens the entire world for them. And they are called to go by Jesus, but they're empowered by the Spirit. Right? Do you ever have a boss? Who's like, hey, do this, do this, do this. And you're like, all right, I'm, my boss has called me to do this. And then you have a boss who empowers you and says, no, 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 no. you can do this. I, I've trained you, I've equipped you with everything that you can do. Teachers are the same way. When they can empower you to do it, that's way different than someone just calling you to do it. God has empowered you. He's empowered. You are equipped. You have this, his spirit. God can't give you anything more than he's already given you. That's beautiful. Cretans and Arabs were declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. They were amazed and perplexed, and they asked one another, what's this mean? I hope this helps you to understand what this could have meant to them. God has come. God is with them. What's amazing to me is when they saw the cloud with Moses, they saw it and they were amazed. No longer are they seeing God's work amazed. They're seeing God's people and are amazed. God's greatest work in this moment and in the moment that's today as well is him infusing his people it's not just creation. It's not just something he's making, but it's you. It's me. Why do people come to church? Why do people come to faith? It's typically someone else who invites them. Sometimes God uses his word and people dig in, but most of the time, it's someone else. People see God in you 
It creates them to draw to God. They see God in you. Some, however, made fun of them. They had too much wine. Every time God shows up, there will be division. There's going to be division. You're like, how can you not see God's hand in this? I guarantee your story has a portion of God's hand in it. And you're like, how can you not accredit that to God? Like, seriously, this is so obvious. But sometimes people can't see. Sometimes people won't get it. And, and that's not, you know, your job's not to fix them. God's going to do it if he wants to, if he chooses to. I said earlier, this message is for those who are going into a new land or territory. Those who are trying to hear the right instructions from God. Those wanting more of what others have in their faith. Those wanting uh, to be in God's presence. And those who feel like you just don't belong anywhere and want something that can help you survive another day. This is the story of Pentecost. Both in the Old Testament and right here in Acts 2. This holy day was about going into a new territory. Jesus had risen He had come back, he rose again, and he says he's coming back again. And he's coming back, and they're left with this new territory. How do we do this without Jesus? And Jesus, God says, I'm with you. Oh, wait, no. I'm in you. I'm in you. You're not alone. This new territory, you're not by yourself. I would say the same thing to you. You're not alone. Whatever new territory you're stepping into, God's in you. And you're like, well, I don't know if God is in me. We'll get there. Second, I said it's about receiving instructions from God. That's what what Moses was doing. He was getting the law, 613 commands, you know, including 10 commandments. And they heard the instructions here. It says, go, be my witnesses in Acts 1.8 and Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and where? To the ends of the earth, which was so foreign. So foreign. Like, what? Jesus, we're just trying to deal with Jerusalem. Maybe Galilee. We can't even win in Nazareth. And he's saying, no, this is my instructions. Like, okay, Wes, this is not what I was looking for. I wanted simple instructions. And God's saying, no, see way beyond what you just think. Third, it's about Moses being in God's presence. And instead of one guy being God's presence, they were all in it. And what's crazier is God's presence was in them. Whoa! Now, we, we pray, right? We're like, Lord, I want to feel your presence. There's nothing wrong with that. And then what do we just sing? Even when I don't see that. You, we didn't plan that. Even when I don't feel you're working. So, yeah, they felt it here. They were all in it. But yet, is God working even when we don't? Thank you, Lord. If all you're doing is following Jesus for the feeling you get... For when you sense his presence, oh, you're missing out. Oh, you're missing out. There's so much more. And I would dare question, maybe you're not following him, you're following the feeling. I learned that from Dave Nystrom, so you can blame him. It's also about Moses being on the mountain and people watching him. I mentioned earlier, maybe you're like, I want to be like that person, right? Maybe you're one of, you're, that was one of you. People are watching you because God's in you. And that's both a delight and a scary responsibility. So take it for what it's worth for you. And then lastly, it's, it's about those people who feel like they don't fit in. And, and all they're looking for is just the remnants of the grain that was left behind in the harvest like Ruth. 
others were watching and you just feel like you're watching on the outskirts and yet they were receiving. They were receiving the message that the tongues were speaking to them. Now, I'd be wrong to pretend like this is some message like a TV show and you gotta wait till three episodes later, you know, to find out what actually is gonna happen. You know, that's so lame. You're like, come on, just tell me what's gonna happen here. So instead of making you wait three or four weeks for us to get to verse 38 in Acts 2, I'm going to spoil it for you. For those of you who are like feeling like you're in the outside, like how do I belong to this? What do I do? Peter preaches and he says this, it's real simple. He says, repent, turn from where you're going to a different direction and be baptized every one of you. Now I'm not saying literally you've got to be baptized or you're not saved because I was saying, oh, how do I know if the Spirit's in me? It's not just like that, but it's like every one of you, what? In the name of Jesus Christ, for what? For the forgiveness of your sins, saying, hey, I am forgiven. Some of y'all need to forgive yourself. Let God forgive you first and he'll give you that power because he'll be in you to forgive yourself. And working with others too is super important. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, it says in Acts 2.38. The promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off. Again, God sees so much bigger than we do. We sang the song, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Maybe that's you. You're in that fifth camp and you're like, I feel like I'm on the outside. Come to the inside. Talk to Catherine, Stephanie, one of the folks worship team. Talk to me. Let's walk through it together today. Going to a new land territory, receiving instructions from God. Moses being in God's presence. You being in God's presence and having his presence in you. Moses being on the mountain and watching him. You being watched. I don't know. Did it hit you, any of this stuff? Anybody? Were you one of the five that raised their hands? Is still connect with you? I'd love to hear. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Share your story. Share how God's working in this. Share about Pentecost. That's what they did. It's a party. Isn't that awesome? Let me pray for you. Lord, I don't know. I'm hoping today this is somebody's Pentecost. Lord, I sense we just need to ask. If anybody's here, and I'm kind of pausing on the prayer, but if you're here, just keep your eyes closed. If anybody's here and you're like, no, I want to, I want that. I want to be in. Just slip up your hand for me. Don't look around. Just slip up your hand. I'd love to see if God's moving into heart work. Today you can celebrate for the first time, Jesus, I want to be in. I want to no longer just to grab the little pieces of grain on the outside, but I want you. back to praying, uh, Lord, you know where we're at. And so I pray that you'd help each person here, wherever they fit in one of these five categories or anywhere else along a continuum where you're at work on their lives. Move in them. Spirit, move. Oh, God, we, we want you. We want all of you. Help us to be excited about what you're doing, to be excited, not necessarily to speak in these crazy languages, but to speak in a language that connects with people in ways that we couldn't do without you. God, we love you. We love you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for the spirit that you've given that has catalyzed the church. God, we're messed up, but we have you. We need you, and so we pray for your spirit to guide each and every one of us, not just individually, but as a community.
It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and we say, amen.